I would like to encourage you this morning to walk in the light, to live, to have victory over sin. And I want to specifically talk about envy and jealousy, but it can be applicable to any sin. I want you to have victory over sin. My message title this morning is Jealousy, and I want to tell the story of Cain and Abel. And when I first started studying this, or what, when the story first grabbed my attention, it wasn't necessarily about envy and jealousy, but the more I studied it, the more, well, you tell the story and where it goes, not where you want the story to go, I guess. So, <clears throat> Some temptation can be really complex or can seem that way to us, and God has a way of pulling everything back and just making it very clear. And in this story, he does. God spoke right to the heart of the matter, and he left Cain with two choices. He could sin, or he could do what's right. And I love the question that God asked Cain, and I think it's a question that we can ask ourselves. So you can turn to Genesis chapter 4. While you're turning there, I'll give you a little bit of the context. So Adam and Eve had just been cast out of the Garden of Eden. And it's possible that the flaming sword that blocked the entrance was still there. I don't know if Cain could look over and see it or not. I don't know how long that lasted or stayed there. Obviously, it's gone now. But Adam and Eve would have, would have seen it. They would have seen the Garden of Eden. They would have walked in it. They would have tasted it, smelled it, touched it, heard it. They would have experienced what it was like to live in paradise. And then they sinned, they failed, they, there was disobedience, and they were cast out, and they would have experienced the great loss of it. And I can't imagine what they thought when they saw the great price of their sin, and they had to go out and till the ground. <clears throat> I would imagine that disobedience would be the last thing that anybody would consider doing after going through something like that. At this time, there was only one family in the whole world, Adam and Eve and their two sons, Cain and Abel, and some sisters in there too, I'm assuming. That was it. And I bring that out because they had the whole world. There was room for everyone. There was opportunity for everyone. And at this time, there was no written law. It was whatever God had spoke to them. And, and in this story, God speaks directly to Cain, and that's the way he did at this time. So Genesis chapter 4, we'll read the first five verses. And Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. And she again bare his brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought in the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering, but unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. So Adam and Eve had a son, and they called him Cain. And it's it's interesting, some people think that, well, what would you think if you were Eve and you'd been promised that your seed would destroy the serpent or crush the serpent's head? She may have had a lot of hope in Cain, but 
it doesn't say. Nobody knows. Just a side note. And then Abel was born, and they grew up, and they were different. They had different interests. So Cain was a tiller of the ground. They were both what we would consider farmers, but one was a grain farmer, and one was a uh, like a animal farmer or whatever. So Cain tilled the ground, had fields, raised crops, and Abel was a shepherd. He raised sheep. And it says in the process of time, and who knows how long this was. I have always thought that, you know, they were probably 18 and 20. You know, who knows? I thought they were young. But if you look at this, Seth wasn't born yet. So Seth was born after Abel was dead. And Seth was born when Adam was 130 so I don't know how old Adam was when he got kicked out of the garden, but the, in the process of time, could have been they could have been 100 years old when this happened. Who knows? But we don't know. We don't know how old they were. And so it was time to make an offering to God. And again, I don't know what prompted this. They didn't have the law. I'm assuming God told them to do this. So Cain brought some things that he grew, and Abel also brought some of the things that he grew. So Abel brought a lamb, and Cain brought some, some of his, the fruit of whatever he grew. And I don't know that it doesn't say, I don't know that there was a problem with what, with what Cain brought, as far as that it was crops versus a lamb. Maybe, I don't know. It doesn't say what God required. It just said that they brought an offering. It would appear that Cain's offering maybe, so it it brings out that Abel's offering was his best. And, but it doesn't say anything about Cain's. And so that's where I'm going to read into it and say that Cain's offering probably wasn't his best. And I'm guessing that was, that was the issue. And for whatever reason, um, God didn't accept the sacrifice of Cain. And I'm not sure what this looked like. It's, it's interesting. So it says, But unto Cain and his offering he had not respect. So God had respect to Abel, but not to Cain's offering. And I don't know, what did that look like? What did that mean? Like, did God, I don't know. Whatever it was, or whatever that this looked like, it made Cain very angry. And his countenance was fallen, which means he lost happiness. His smile was replaced with a frown. His good attitude was replaced with hot anger. And the all-knowing God came to Cain and asked, What's going on? Why are you upset? Verse 6, And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth? And why is thy countenance fallen? And I wonder what Cain's response would have been. Well, I had a bad year, and I need the best to take care of my family. Or I was going to go give away my best. Um, Maybe it was more sinister that, God, these crops are mine, and I'm going to do with them what I want. Maybe this had been going on for quite some time, and God had been blessing Abel, and maybe Cain was barely making it. I, I don't know. I'm guessing there was some form of excuses, but it doesn't say. Um, Cain didn't reply in the story. And this brings us to the second part of the question that God asked Cain, and it's a question, I believe, that speaks through the ages, and it's relevant to us today in our struggle. Verse 7, the first part. If thou doest well, 
shalt thou not be accepted? So consider that question. It's, it's simple. If you would do well, wouldn't you be accepted? The invitation's open to you, Cain. Come and be part of the kingdom of God. Experience the favor of the Lord. It's simple. It's easy. Do what God asks of you. <clears throat> Being accepted of the Lord doesn't have anything to do with the people around you. It doesn't matter what Abel's doing. And in fact, God didn't even mention Abel in, this, in his discussion here with, with Cain. Didn't even bring Abel up. Had nothing to do with, with God and Cain's relationship. So God was saying that there's room for you, Cain. Just like there's plenty of fields here for you to share. There's plenty of opportunity. <clears throat> there is room in the kingdom of God. So the question is, Cain, why would you purposely do, choose to do wrong? Why would you do that? The question that God asked was very revealing. Cain, why would you choose to do wrong? Why won't you do what's right? And for Cain, it's because he hated his brother Abel. He was jealous and envious. And if God accept, accepts Abel, the man that I can't stand, then I'm not sure that I want any part of God either. That's some strong jealousy. This question that God asks also places responsibility or it puts us in complete control of our actions. Like there was no excuse. Even in his rage, God expected him to make a wise choice. Cain didn't want just favor with God. He wanted to be better than Abel. And he I don't know, obviously didn't care about God's favor at all. It was just one more thing that Abel could do that was better than him. If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. God described sin as, being, as a being that was near, close by, right outside the door even ready to, to possess you, and you must rule over him. I don't normally think of sin as a being. Like, I, I think of sin as something that I could do if I wanted to. But God is, makes it sound like sin is a being. It has a face, maybe even a name. And it wants to possess you. And we need to rule over him. Get a picture of Satan, the serpent that tempted Eve, in the Garden of Eden, coiled up right outside the door, ready to strike. <clears throat> Sin is near. And we're to rule over him. And this brings out that we have two choices. We can do well and have the favor of God, or we can do evil and be possessed of the devil, be ruled of the devil. The choice is up to you. The choice is up to Cain. If thou doest well, shall not not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door, and unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. 
And Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and slew him. And the Lord said unto Cain, Where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, What hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. And now art thou cursed from the earth, which hath opened her mouth to receive thy brother's blood from thy hand. When thou tillest the ground, it shall not henceforth yield unto thee her strength. A fugitive and a vagabond shalt thou be in the earth. And Cain said unto the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, thou hast driven me out this day from the face of the earth, and from thy face shall I be hid. And I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond in the earth, and it shall come to pass that every one that findeth me shall slay me. And the Lord said unto him, Therefore, whosoever slayeth Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark upon Cain, lest any finding him should kill him. And Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod on the east of Eden. Cain chose evil, and he went out cursed from that day on. Now, I'm actually, actually surprised that God allowed him to live, but he spent the rest of his days a fugitive and a vagabond in the earth, a fugitive to be gone out from, so he was no longer living in the presence of God. And also the presence of the earth to some extent, because the earth was no longer going to produce for him like it did. And a vagabond, someone looked down on or scorned, and, and scorned so much to the, to the point where those that would see him would want to kill him. And I can't imagine he was probably right. I imagine that the humans that were left on earth wanted to kill him. That was probably a true statement. So, what is your choice today? So, obviously, it's a little bit different today. We don't sacrifice to please God. We have faith in his Son. But, through the power of the Holy Spirit, we're still supposed to rule over sin. We had the same choice that Cain had. Each day brings choices that we can decide. Are we going to do right or are we going to do wrong? And I think in this age of grace that we're in, that God gives us some room to grow and change. But when the question came up to Paul about the importance of sin, since we're living in a time where we have complete payment of sin, is sin important? Does it matter? What does it matter if, if, if our payment's made? <clears throat> what does it matter? And Paul said, you know, absolutely not, that we are not to continue in sin. So God's grace doesn't enable us to continue in sin with no, or to purposely live in sin with no consequences. It enables us to escape the grasp of the evil one who desires to rule over us. Now let's go to the New Testament a little bit. Hebrews 11 verse 4 says, By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead, yet speaketh. So I want to read this, but I'm going to change the wording a little bit. By faith Abel offered unto God an excellent sacrifice, 
by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead, yet speaketh. So Cain chose to do what was right, and God accepted him. Isn't that an amazing thing? Whatever it looked like, God's favor at the time, Cain could see it. And it's written here for our encouragement that, that it's the same with us. When we do well, when we have this faith that Abel had, that God accepted him. But it mentions Cain in that verse. That's the part that I took out. And what a contrast between Cain and Abel. Turn your Bibles to 1 John chapter 3. First John chapter 3, I'm going to start reading at verse 1. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that we shall appear, that when he shall appear we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself even as he is pure. So we have this hope within us, right? We, we have this hope that we're going to one day appear with Christ and that we're going to be like him. And all of us that have that hope, we purify ourselves even as Christ is pure. We rule over sin and the devil. Verse 4. Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. And ye know that he was manifest to take away our sins, and in him is no sin. Whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither known him. Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. He that committeth sin is of the devil. For the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifest, manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. In this the children of God are manifest, and the children of the devil. Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. For this is the message that ye heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. So this brings out the contrast between good and evil. Sin is not of God. And if we are born of God, we should not be living in sin. Now, it's, it's, uh, it's said idealistically, I guess we could say. We all know that believers sin at times, right? That we stumble, we fall. <clears throat> and there's room for growth. But ultimately, if we're willingly living in sin, that's coming from the devil. That's not from God. And if we are doing good, that is from God. So notice the contrast. And notice verse 10. In this, the children of God are manifest, and the children of the devil. Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. So envy, jealousy, and hatred for your brother is not of God. And here's where this this uh, 
chapter here in 1 John parallels the story of Cain and Abel. Verse 11, For this is the message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another, not as Cain, who was of that wicked one, and slew his brother. And wherefore slew he him? Because his own works were evil, and his brother's righteous. Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hate you. We know that we have passed from death unto life, because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer, and ye know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. So why did Cain kill Abel? It's simple, because Cain embraced evil, and his works were evil, and Abel's were righteous. The only reason Abel ended up dead was because Cain embraced evil. If he would have done well, if Cain would have done well, would he not have been accepted? Of course he would have, but he chose not to. And the story of Cain really puts flesh and blood to verse 15. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer, and ye know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. Now we could stop right there probably. But sadly, we can make the same mistake as Cain did. Let's consider this. Is there a brother or sister in the church that you're jealous of, that stirs up something within you? We can be jealous of possessions, the things that we have. Um, well, did you, did you notice my awesome suspenders this morning? <clears throat> Who knew that I could make a fashion statement like that? Wow. <clears throat> Some of those van or vehicles out there in the parking lot are pretty nice. We can, we can be jealous of our possessions, jealous of maybe someone's money, their income, where they're at in life. And, and I look at the possessions part as being kind of trivial, maybe. Um, maybe to some people not. But I, I don't know. Let's think about some other things. Um, are you jealous of somebody, like, are you jealous because you're single and you would love to get married? Are you jealous, um, are you married and you just... Look at some of the lives that the single people live and just wish that you could do that again. Wouldn't that be fun? <clears throat> what about children? Are you jealous of someone's children? Wow, that person just has their family all lined up and it looks so good on Sunday morning. Well, it's a good thing that's the only time you see them is on Sunday morning. <laughs> but it's true. We can, we can be jealous of someone's children, like especially maybe if our children struggle with something. Maybe our children aren't quite as brilliant as their children are. Maybe our children struggle in school. Maybe our child has a physical handicap. And another thing, like thinking of children, what about when you're later in life and you look back and you you look at somebody who is old and they um, have children around them. Their children come around them and take care of them. Isn't that amazing? But what if you don't have that? Does that stir up jealousy? What about 
our health. You can be jealous of somebody that never, never seems to get sick. Or, yeah, they just, they're in the, the perfect picture of health, and we're not. What about, um, like, someone's build? Like, some people are really athletic, and they can, like, it doesn't matter if they practice or not. They're still a better basketball player than I am. It, it just, yeah, that can really, with possessions, things like that, there's maybe a hope of gaining of gaining those possessions, right? But with some of these other things, there's no hope. I mean, it's just the way it is. And there's no, yeah, there's no hope of, of, of gaining it. Or what about this? What about somebody's influence? Do you ever get jealous of somebody's influence? <clears throat> wow, why do, why do people always go to that person? Why does that person have 50 friends and I have two? Why does that person always get asked over for supper and we don't? And that could go a lot of different ways. Can you relate to that, of being jealous? And has that jealousy turned into bitterness or possibly hatred? And if so, where are you at in the story of Cain? <clears throat> okay, you might be at the beginning where your, your jealousy is actually causing you possibly to reject God's word. The person that we are jealous of, and you might argue with me, but it's true. The person that you're jealous of, that you're envious of, actually begins to control you to a certain extent. <clears throat> Maybe you are really critical of that person. Maybe you analyze their every move, just looking for something that proves that your view of them is correct. Maybe you hate them so much. Maybe this is an extreme example, but you hate them so much that it doesn't matter if they have a good idea or not. I'm going to be against whatever they say. Hmm. Maybe Maybe the question that we should ask... And, and you can think about if, of where you're at in this, is has that person caused your countenance to fall like it did Cain's? Does that person make you mad? Does that person take away your joy? If so, then that gets you to the place where God asked Cain his questions. And I'll ask that to you. <clears throat> What's wrong? What's going on? If you do good, won't you be accepted? If you do wrong, the devil is lying in wait, and he longs to possess you, but you must rule over him. <clears throat> Cain was in a very dangerous place where his jealousy was actually, ca- actually caused him to be separated from God, and it can be the same for us. There's a place in the kingdom for you. You're in the place where you can still make a choice, right? You still have the the options in front of you. You can still rule over sin. And I guess I'll mention here that our, our relationship with God actually has nothing to do with those that we're jealous of. Absolutely nothing to do with them. God extends 
his mercy and grace directly to us. It doesn't come through, through others. God has you right where he wants you to be. And jealousy is a direct assault against God's sovereignty. Think about that. When you're jealous, you're saying that God didn't work things out good enough for you or that I'm not content with what God has given me. <clears throat> or maybe, maybe you're at the place of already receiving judgment for sin committed because of your jealousy and the devil's having his way in your life. And if you are, this is where the story, our story and Cain's story is different, that we have grace, we have forgiveness. Jesus will take that punishment, and we can still make things right. While the offer stands, take it, because there's going to be a time when the offer is ended. And you might think, well, I would never kill somebody. I would never do that. Well, are you sure? Like People kill all the time over jealousy. I'm, I'm saying like shooting and stabbing and that sort of thing. In the world, that happens all the time. We may never, we may never, um, we may never kill somebody physically, but would we take part in a little bit of character assassination once in a while? Would we, in discussion with somebody, you know, one of our friends and that person's name comes up and we say some bad things about them that we heard? Hmm. Bring their integrity into doubt. Create mistrust. Trying to set others up against them. Hmm. You know, it's sad that Cain's hatred for his brother, his envy, his jealousy, brought such horrible suffering in his life. His jealousy kept him out of the kingdom of God. And was that worth it? Like, looking back, was that worth it? And it's sad that we let our desires separate us from God. An unforgiving spirit, envy, pride, selfishness, jealousy. When we give in to those things, our story soon begins to look like Cain's. Sinning isn't just a thing we do. It's an allegiance we make with the devil. And also doing good isn't just something we do. It's an allegiance we make with God. And like Cain and, and like Abel, we have a choice to make. What will your choice be? And if, if, if you're convicted this morning that you think, wow, you know what, that speaks to me. I have some things to work on. I want to give you three things for you to consider. The first one is, if you do well, you will be accepted. There's room in the kingdom of God for all of us, every one of us. And it doesn't have to be either that person's going to heaven or I am. It can't be both. Like, that's not the case. <clears throat> God extends his favor to you, and it has nothing to do with that other person. <clears throat> God will come and make his abode with you, give you a gift, and he will make a place for you in heaven. And it has nothing to do with how you compare with others around you. Second thing is to be humble before God. Know that God has placed you in this world just, as he, just how he wanted. Each thing that has come into your life has passed before his face. He knows. 
He has you in the place you're at for a reason. God has created many different kinds of people with many different kinds of personalities. So be okay with that. If you believe that the Holy Spirit gives gifts to people and, and for the edifying of the church and people are different and we're all, you know, we're all part of a body where we have a hand and we have a foot, we have eyes, we have a nose, the body of Christ, then there's room for people that are different than us. And I guess you could say everybody is unique and everyone is important. Number three, if you struggle with jealousy towards someone, go and love that person. Verse 11, for this is the message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Verse 16, hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoso hath this world's good and seeth his brother have need and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. So go and love them. So it used to look like Verse 17, where you shut up your feelings of compassion towards them. But now, make it look like verse 18, where you go and love, not in word, not in just saying that, but you actually do loving things for them. And I want to read here uh, chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. Let's pray. Father in heaven, just thank you for being a good God. Thank you for this story of Cain and Abel and the contrast of good and evil and our choices and the consequences. And Father, thank you for being a loving God and setting that example for us. And I pray, Lord, that we could love the brothers and sisters in the church, not to get caught up in jealousy and envy and bitterness and hatred, even in small things, Lord. Help us to love well. And I just thank you for each one that's here. I pray that you would bless them. Um, Father, just continue to work in each heart and to draw each person to you. Thank you for making a place in your kingdom for each one of us in our differences. And thank you, Lord, for the body of believers that, that we all are different so that we can uh, complement each other. Maybe one person is good at one thing, another at something else, and together we can do a lot more than, than we can on our own. So, Lord, I just thank you for your wisdom in setting up the church. And I pray for each one. Um, Yeah, I just pray that you would give us a good rest of the day. In your name, amen.